listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so thankful you're with us today. Joining me today is uh, my special guest, a New York Times bestselling author, a writer, and senior editor for Sports Illustrated. It's Jim Grant. Uh, so we're glad to have Jim back on the show. And uh, Jim will be discussing his latest book, Wallace, the underdog who conquered a sport, saved a marriage, and championed pet bulls, one flying disc at a time. So we're all interested to find out more about Wallace and uh, his extraordinary efforts. And we look forward to talking to Jim about the, uh, the latest book. So we're going to come right back with Jim Grant right after these messages. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Petco. Where the pets go. Petco. Where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail-wagging, fur-flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And joining me now is New York Times bestselling author, Jim Grant. Jim, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. Uh, we're so thankful and we're so excited about the book. I love the book. Love the cover on it. Tell us a little bit about the book, Wallace. Well, Wallace, uh, you know, it's sort of an outgrowth of The Lost Dogs, uh, the last book I did, which is about the, the Michael Vick dog fighting case. And uh, one of the guys I met, in the process of that was a man named Rue Yuri who adopted one of those dogs, a dog named Hector. And uh, while I was spending some time with Rue, he started telling me about his other dog, Wallace. And uh, Wallace was a pit bull he had adopted about six years previous to that who had some behavioral issues and really high-drive dog. And in an effort to engage him, Rue sort of stumbled into the world of competitive disc competitions or frisbee competitions. And, and uh, Wallace went on to become uh, a world champion. And in the process, you know, broke down a lot of barriers, overcame a lot of obstacles, and, and you know, had an impact on the lives of many people. Yeah, and I think it's an amazing story. We're going to talk a little bit more about those uh, impacts on uh, his breed as well as the, you know, the pit bull community as well as his family. As, and uh, so we'll go into a little bit more detail in a moment. But uh, you don't see that every day, do you, having a pit bull as a uh, world-class champion? No, I mean, 
previous to Wallace, very few uh, pit bulls had ever competed in it that anybody knows of. You know, it's not a well recorded thing, but certainly none of them ever competed as well as Wallace did. And you know, typically it's these faster, smaller, herding type dogs. You know, border collies and Australian shepherds that tend to excel at the game, at the sport. And uh, you know, Wallace is an anomaly out there. His pit bulls are sort of bigger and very muscly and heavy boned and have those big heads and, you know, they're not terribly graceful, although they are athletic, you know. So he was definitely a strange entry in the field. And, you know, the, the reactions at the beginning sort of ranged from, oh, isn't that cute? And isn't that nice of you to try? And, and then when he started beating people, it went to a little more shock and surprise. And, and eventually he, he became accepted. And so he, uh, he really set a mark there and, uh, and changed a lot of opinions. And now there are a number of pit bulls that compete and, and some of them do pretty well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think it's just another big kudo for the breed because, uh, as you know, working uh, uh, with the Vic case and uh, doing your great book with uh, the Lost Dogs, the breed often is misunderstood. Yeah, and then that's, I mean, you know, a lot of Wallace's story is about just sort of breaking down those misperceptions, you know, and and, and that's that's what this does. I mean, you think, you know, you have a definition of a pit bull in your head, what it can and can't do, and then you see it out there, you know, running and catching Frisbees and not only doing it, but but doing it amongst the best in the world and more than holding his own, you know. So it, right off the bat, you have to change your mind. You have to rethink what you've assumed about these dogs. And, uh, you know, and it goes from there. Absolutely. Now, the process of how this book came about, I know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Rue Yori, uh, the owner of Hector and, and Wallace, turned you on to the book and turned you on to what Wallace was all about. Had he already competed? Had Wallace and Rue already competed in these championships? And it was like, hey, you know, Jim, take a look at what uh, what my other dog can do? Or was this something that you just sort of uncovered through your other research uh, with uh, Hector? Uh, yeah, by the time I came on the scene, Wallace was done competing. His competitive career was over. So this was, we went back and recreated it, really. And it was... Um, you know, that was, a, that was a long process, but I think we did a, a pretty good job of making you feel like you were there. And, um, you know, I'd heard his, his general story before. I, I knew of Wallace, but I didn't really know the details. And, and certainly when you're, you're looking at, you know, any sort of a story or a book, you know, what you look for is that, you know, that sort of great arc of the story. And, and Wallace had that starting from really the lowest of lows, abandoned as a puppy in a shelter where he had some behavioral issues and, and literally on death row, you know, saved at the last minute by ruining his wife, Clara, and then, you know, rising to the highest of highs, world champion. So, you know, you go from that low to that high, that's sort of the making of a great story. But for me, to do a whole book, you need a little more than that. And then that's where, you know, this personal story that how Wallace impacted Ruin Clara's marriage, and then also this greater source of style of story about pit bulls and about breed-specific legislation and a lot of these things that cut across Wallace's career and that he had a, an impact on. When you start adding those other layers to it, it becomes a deeper story than just a dog catching Frisbees, and that's what really makes it a, a good book and a worthwhile book. Now, I think when we spoke last, uh, when uh, The Lost Dogs came out, correct me if I'm wrong, you were initially not anticipating writing The Lost Dogs. It was more of an article and research that developed in this fantastic book. And now with uh, Wallace's story, you have another book on hand about the same breeds and same things. Did you anticipate all this happening? Did you have this big crystal ball that this is what you wanted to do? Or is it one of those other great stories of just happening? Yeah, absolutely. It just, it just sort of happened. And, and honestly, when I started out after the Lost Dogs, obviously it was, a, it was an incredible experience, you know, the success of it and, and the impact it had, which was very real and, and, you know, sort of overwhelming and humbling in a way. 
but I, I was pretty determined after that that I wasn't going to write another dog book. You know, I, I didn't want to become a dog writer. Um, <laughs> but then I had this conversation with Rue, and, and like I said, we got into all these, not only Wallace's straight up story, but then all these all these layers to it and the other aspects to it. And I just thought, wow, this is too good not to write. I mean, it's just, it's a great story. And so as a journalist, as a writer, I, I always that's what I want to do. I consider myself a storyteller. So I'm always looking to tell a good story. And it's like, well, why am I going out and search the world for another good story? I've got one right in front of me. And, and, uh, and I did it. So I think it, uh, it came off well and, and I hope people like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great book. And uh, we appreciate it because we can have you on this show by writing more about dogs and other animals. So <laughs> yeah, like, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I never wanted to write another dog book. I just didn't want to know if I wanted to do two in a row. But I think I would have gone back to it at some point one way or the other, but the two in a row I didn't think was a great idea, but sometimes you just have to play them the way they come out. That's right. And like you mentioned, it's it's all about the story. When you have a great story, no matter really what the topics are, you got to feel compelled to write it. you got to get that message out there. That's right. Now, in, in the book, you mentioned that Wallace's story has impacted the pit bull community and public perception. Obviously, he did that through, wow, here's, you know, here's a pit bull that uh, is now a uh, flying disc champion. But what are some of the other things that he's done or you've seen uh, in writing the book that uh, really made that major impact on the community? Well, I think, you know, as Rue, you know, this was his, the first experience he had with a pit bull, really. And, and so, it, so he got slowly drawn into that community. And and that's part of the book, too, is, is his development and his change and his becoming more of an activist and, and really taking an active role and, and, you know, intentionally making appearances with Wallace at places and, you know, conventions and forums and so forth to reinforce the point of the unfairness of breed-specific legislation. You know, one of the things they had to deal with was they couldn't go to some competitions. You know, the, whenever, the, you know, Wallace couldn't fly, so they drove to a lot of these competitions around the country, and they had to very carefully plan their route. Were they passing through a, a county or a city where pit bulls were banned? And if they stopped, you know, could they potentially lose this dog? So here was this, you know, this world champion dog that had uh, been nothing but exemplary, you know, and he could have been confiscated and put down strictly because of his genetics. And it, it sort of really, you know, pointed up how ridiculous uh, those things were. And then just on a more individual level, every time he went to one of these competitions, people would hear about him, they'd come over, and can I pet him? And, you know, they often people comment, it's the first time I ever petted a pit bull, and he's so nice, he doesn't seem mean, you know, he doesn't seem scary, and all these things that they had thought and heard, you know, he's just right before your eyes, they're being undone. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, like you say, it's like changing minds one disc at a time, you know, it's every every catch, every person, you know, it's it uh, it sort of turns the tide a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure Rue and Clara, through talking with them, they probably never imagined it, taking it to this level. They were probably wanting something uh, fun and interesting for Wallace to do that now is manifested in something even greater. Yeah, well, the, you know, the funny part is that they um, they didn't really intend to keep him. You know, they didn't want him to be put down because they thought he was being put down for unfair reasons. But their intention was to foster him and find a home for him. And they actually got him into weight pulling because they thought that weight pull crowd would be a good place to find a potential adopters, you know, the kind of people who are, you know, into the stronger dogs into the, and, it, you know, they know how to work with them. They're interested in what he could do. And, and that might be a good place to find potential adopters. And they were doing Frisbee with one of their other dogs. And, uh, you know, just by chance, Wallace went after the Frisbee and you know, he just loved it. He was a natural and he was just such intensity and such drive. And there was nothing he loved better to do than catch those Frisbees. And, and even when they started, they thought, well, well, that's a nice thing to keep him busy and let him burn some energy. But he'll never excel at it for all the same reasons. You know, he's a pit bull and he's not fast enough. He doesn't jump high enough and all these things. But, you know, once it got going, there was no stopping him. 
And Wallace proves him wrong every day, it seems like. Yeah, it's fascinating what you had said about uh, not being able to take him into certain counties or certain areas because of the uh, ordinances and that for the pit bulls. And, you know, I, I've seen that also. We've we have had friends and, and colleagues that uh, one in particular I can think of that's recently going to be joining the military. And he has a family and wants to move on base, but he also has a pit bull that's part of that family. And, uh, Found out recently he cannot take the pit bull on to uh, base housing, and the county that the base is located in doesn't allow pit bulls. So he's kind of stuck in a, a hard place here trying to take care of his uh, his family as well as his uh, pit bull who's part of the family. Yeah, it's a tough thing. And, and you know, part of the, the argument against them, and I, and I think it's the right approach, is that as we discussed last time I was on, you know, the, the whole one of the biggest points of the lost dogs was really that, you know, every dog's an individual. You know, mm-hmm. and you could say some general things about one breed or another, but you can't make a judgment about individual dogs this and those things. You have to meet each dog individually and, and determine what it is. There's great pit bulls and there's lousy ones. There's great poodles and there's lousy ones, you know, and, and you have to go dog by dog and you know, that's a much better approach. If you don't need a, to ban a specific breed, you just need to have a dangerous dog law. Where if there's a dog that is causing problems, or there's a dog that's not being cared for or, or responsibly managed, you know, that people can register complaints and then law enforcement could take action. But, you know, whether that's a pit bull or whether that's a black lab or whether it's a German shepherd, you know, you can deal with a bad dog. And that's all you need. You don't need to ban a specific breed because there's thousands and thousands of pit bulls out there that are great dogs that will never cause a problem in their life. And, uh, and you're just sort of you know, making these, these generalizations that, that don't help anyone. Yeah, and you know, for humans, we have these laws in place when you have a bad human. And at least from my experience, my commentary for the moment is uh, a lot of times when there's a bad dog, you don't have to look much further than the humans. All I got to say. Yeah, almost always. <laughs> That's my commentary. It doesn't necessarily reflect the uh, thoughts of the management here at, at Pet Life Radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a uh, quick little break, and then we'll come back with Jim Grant, talk a little bit more about uh, what he's got going on, and talk more about the book Wallace. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection, exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site. Plus free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call, and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List, reviews you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash rights and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. Hi, I'm Lisa Smith Putnam, the host of the new and exciting show, Your Pets, My Dogs, here on Pet Life Radio. Your Pets, My Dogs will feature celebrity interviews, we'll talk to everyday pet owners, and more. Listen, I am here to entertain you each and every week, right here on Pet Life Radio. Again, that's Your Pets, My Dogs. I'm your host, Lisa Smith Putnam. Your Pets, My Dogs. Your Pets, My Dogs. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with author and best-selling author, actually, uh, Jim Grant, talking about his latest book, Wallace, uh, the underdog who conquered a sport, saved a marriage, and championed pit bulls one flying disc at a time. Now, Jim, tell us a little bit about this uh, second comment here, saved a marriage. How in the world did uh, Wallace go about doing that? Well, you know, it was uh, Clara and Rue were a, a young couple, and you know they went through. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of it, but they mm-hmm. they went through some struggles that there were reasons for, and and uh, you know Wallace was sort of the one consistent connection point, the one thing that they held in common through all of it, and uh, sort of brought them together and helped them get through it until uh, eventually you know they could uh, it could resolve itself. So. You know, it wasn't uh, direct action. He didn't sit down on the couch with them and ask them what their problems were. But, but uh, sort of indirectly, he uh, he influenced them. And and part of that too is just the same general way in which animals, I think, help all of us. Is that it? You know, it forces you outside yourself. It forces you to think about others and and to, by the necessity of caring for them and and walking them and feeding them and all the things we do with them, you know, they they force us to. You know, think about a better picture and think wider and, and be more compassionate. And so I think in those ways as well as the more direct way of, of that maintaining a, a bridge there through tough times, uh, he, had, he had a big impact on their life. Yeah, and I think animals have a, definitely have a way of doing that. Uh, you know, if we just take a step back as humans and, and look to see how our animals in our life are living, it's a, a great way that we should be living because they do provide that constant uh, happiness and, and calmness and provides us a, a purpose, and they fulfill purposes in their lives to help us out as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the um, when putting together the book, uh, and you've got it out there, it's doing well, I know that. What do you hope that the readers will walk away with once they read the book? What would be some of the key points that you think that, oh, I've accomplished what I've meant to accomplish? Well, you know, for me, and, and this was the same with the Lost Dogs, where this question always came up, you know, I, I don't set out to necessarily make a point or try and change anyone's mind. My my inspiration or my starting point always is to tell a good story, like we were saying earlier. I, I want to entertain people. I want them to pick the book up and have a hard time putting it down. And when they do put them down, I, I want them to be thinking about how quickly they can get back to reading it. So I'm really about telling a great story and keeping people you know, involved in the story. So that's always my goal. And I think that works better in the end. You know, it's Part of what I think made The Lost Dogs powerful was that it was not written by somebody who was necessarily an animal welfare advocate who was trying to make a point. And the neutrality of it sort of made it more powerful, and I think that works in, in Wallace as well. You know, at, at the end, I mean, the way it's written and the way what the story demonstrates, hopefully you will come away with a different opinion of pit bulls. You know, you would come away with a better understanding of these breed-specific bands and, and why they're not effective and, and uh, you know, as well as being entertained. But it's never my point to do those things. Hopefully that's an effect of it, but not, uh, but not the only reason it was done. So, you know, for me, it's always first and foremost to, uh, to sort of tell a good story. Yeah, and you did a great job with it, and I appreciate you stating that because it's true. Because often, uh, you know, I work obviously, and I'm a, I'm a writer and author, and I work with animals all the time, and it's it, I always find it challenging to try to step outside of it and uh, either tell a good story or take a neutral perspective uh, instead of such a uh, direct hardcore perspective. And I think it's what you've you've done and told a great story, told Wallace's story as it needed to be told, and uh, there are going to be some great after effects that just came out of it naturally. Yeah, and, and you know, certainly there's different kinds of writing, you know, and, and sometimes you're writing for a specific purpose, and, and sometimes you're at the magazine, I will write, 
will write an essay, and that essay is to make a specific point, and and that's a different kind of writing. But when I'm taking on these books, I'm always hoping to, uh, you know, to do some good storytelling is my my first objective. Well, you did a great job with it. That's for sure. Going back to we we talked about the Lost Dogs and its overwhelming success, a best-selling book, and it's still having impact out there. When writing the book, Wallace, how did that compare or was it more challenging? Did you have any expectations of, oh boy, you know, I'm a bestseller now, I got to write another bestseller? Did any of that play any impact on uh, how you put the book together? Yeah, certainly yeah, I felt that pressure. You know, I, I, I didn't want to follow up the last one with something that was not as good. You know, they're very different type of books. I mean, the Lost Dogs was a very sort of hardcore journalism book. It was a ton of research and a interviewing confidential sources and identifying those sources and combing through court materials and tons and tons of interviews that, you know, the book covered such an expanse from the behind the scenes of the whole Vic investigation then to following, you know, four or five of these dogs through their rehabilitation process, all with different people in different parts of the country. So it was just so wide ranging and so many people involved, whereas, you know, Wallace was much more direct. It was Clara and Rue were like the two main sources, you know, and certainly I talked to a bunch of other people that crossed paths with Wallace through time, but it was a much more direct story and, you know, it was one dog followed straight through from beginning to end. And so in terms of the writing and the research, it was a simpler book, but I definitely sort of felt the pressure to follow up with something that was worthy of of what the last one was and, and hopefully, you know, do as well. Yeah, and I know it's doing well. It's a great book. Everybody will definitely pick up a copy of it, and we'll tell them all the listeners a little bit more about how to find out about the book in a moment. You know, with the um, book coming out, let's go back to the Lost Dogs. I mean, now that that book's done and dusted, and you did your research, et cetera, are you still keeping up on all that? Uh, does it ever? Do you do any more research in those areas? Uh, do you ever get any inklings of what, uh, how the uh, the book has impacted everything that that transpired with that event? Well, I certainly I um, I'm connected to a lot of the people who have adopted the dogs through Facebook, so I, I get updates that way. And the Lost Dogs has its own Facebook page, and I try and pass those updates along whenever I can. And just like Wallace also has a Wallace the book on Facebook as well. And you know everyone's doing really well. It's I mean I think out of the 47 dogs they saved, uh, I'm not so I'm a little shaky on the numbers now. I can't remember them all so well, but I think it's seven of them have passed for various reasons. Um, which leaves about 40. And of those 40, I think uh, over 25 have been adopted out or in homes. And, and the remaining ones are at best friends and, and doing pretty well. And, um, you know, a lot of them are hopeful there to be adopted yet still too. So it's uh, it's been an overwhelming success, you know, from that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always interesting to try to keep uh, keep track of all that and uh, find out where they're at. And of course, I'm, you know, I'm a member of uh, best friends as well. And so I get the the updates periodically on that, and they all do seem to be uh, doing well, adjusting and uh, getting uh, healthy mentally and physically. And uh, it's big kudos. And I think the book, uh, The Lost Dogs, went a long way of uh, helping bring that awareness, uh, further awareness uh, to the details behind the event. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, you know, it, it did. I know, you know, not just the book, but the entire Michael Vick case. You know, brought a lot more attention to the problem of dog fighting, and it it. Uh, had an impact in law enforcement to prove that these cases, you know, they were good cases. They could, you could get a conviction and they were popular with people and that you, know, you could also, there was a gateway crime. You could bust a dog fight and you would inevitably bust a bunch of drug dealers and gun traffickers and people who are up to a lot of no good in other areas. So there's definitely a, an increase in the amount of investigations and prosecutions that came out of the Michael Vick case. And, and also, you know, I think it helped to, to change the perception a little bit too. It, was, it seemed like the first, 
step in turning the tide for pit bulls. You know that the first time they were looked at as a victim in, in these crimes instead of you know an accessory to them. And, and uh, you know it seems to me at least that there's there's been some change in perception. And I don't I think the the bad people who still want you know a badass dog are still attracted pit bulls. But I think on the other side of it, regular middle class families are also not as afraid of them as they once were, and, and adoptions are up amongst those people as family dogs. And so that's positive, and hopefully that can continue and, and help continue even more so change the perception. Yeah, and I see those trends uh, slowly changing, and I know the book had a great impact on that because they are, they are family dogs. I mean, it's pretty much how they were, were bred, to be part of the family, take care of the family, and they're, they're wonderful with uh, children. So, yeah, uh, yeah, so I think it's gone a long way of doing that. So what else we got going on, Jim? Any new projects you want to tell us about or any new things we should be looking for? Well, that's it for now. You know, I'm, I've, I've got a few ideas for where to go next, but uh, unfortunately, it's hard time finding time. I do have this job at Sports Illustrated, which seems to only get busier, uh, as I suppose it should. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get there one day. But for now, we're just working on this. It just came out last week, and we're trying to get the word out and let people know it's there and, and hopefully uh, make it a success. Absolutely. And when you're ready for your next dog book, let me know. I, I've got some great ideas. Well, glad to share them there with you. you. <laughs> there you go. Well, everybody, pick up a copy of the book. It's Wallace, the uh, underdog who conquered a sport, saved a marriage, and championed pit bulls one flying disc at a time. Uh, you can go to the website, which is wallacethepitbull.com, or go to the Facebook site, Wallace the Book. Find out more about what's going on, uh, friend them there, and keep track of everything that's happening. It's a wonderful book. Jim, congratulations on the, uh, on the book, on the success, and uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you again here on uh, Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's always a good time. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of this show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, coming to the show and listening. Thank everyone for uh, listening to Pet Life Radio shows in general. Uh, I want to thank once again Jim Grant for being on the show today. Thank you. Uh, thank you to the sponsors and producers for making this show possible. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests that I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show, and uh, pick up on the blogs as well, you can go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Animal Rights icon, and read the blogs, catch up on the shows, download the shows, download this episode. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the other hosts and shows on Pet Life Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, uh, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll do my very best to answer your questions, uh, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear the most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.